is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Let us be in a spirit of prayer. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. And may we, like Samuel, cry out and say, Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. A seven-year-old boy was baptized in a local lake one day, and his mother was so excited, so excited to watch nearby. And when the boy rose from the water, she said, Do you feel any different? And he says, Yeah, Mom, I've got water up my nose. So, of course, he felt different. This is Holy Trinity Sunday. It's a time when we remember that we are called to baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And like the mom in that story, we search for meaning. We search for transformation, for that to make us feel different, to be different, to work differently in God's world. The relationship between the persons of the Trinity, persons that are comprised of the same substance, a theological word is homoousius, which is a key term in the Christological doctrine. It gives us a model to realize that we are the same substance as our brothers and sisters made in the image and likeness of God regardless of skin color, sexual preference, or any other thing. And that we, too, are called to be in relationship with one another. Early Christians were confronted with the fact that the reality of the God revealed in Jesus after the time of Pentecost was too big to fit into any one of their preconceived categories. It was too much to understand the magnitude of all that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit represented. And so they sought to bring together analogies of what that might mean, that Trinity. Because you see, that word Trinity does not appear in Scripture. That, that word that would capture, or that metaphor that would capture the dynamic, restless, and deeply relational reality an experience of God in those three persons, of God the parent, God the beloved child, and God the Holy Spirit. The word Trinity was actually coined by Tertullian, who wrote in the late second and early third centuries. Interestingly, he is also said to have coined 509 new nouns 284 new adjectives, and 161 new verbs. Tertullian uses the term person, the persons of the Godhead, 
the Godhead, which comprised of the, the Father, the Parent, the Son, the Beloved, and the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. He uses that term person. And for us, a person is an individual, an individual expression of personhood, of identity. And our identity comes out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who revealed God to us, right? Personality could be described as the essence of what distinguishes one person from another. Tertullian lifted that word persona from the theater of his time. Persona was an identity adapted by an actor in a role. And in Tertullian's day, roles were distinguished by the use of masks. An actor would change roles by changing masks. The three masks that change in the persona of God doesn't work. It doesn't work in this idea of Trinity because it would hide rather than reveal the essence of God, which is what the Trinity, in fact, does for us. Revealing God as creator, God as sustainer, God as loving guide. All metaphors in the human language are limited. I've heard many throughout the years that, that seek to identify what we mean when we say that the Trinity is God. Each is God. God the Father of our parent. God the Beloved Son. God the Holy Spirit. Each of those is God, but none is the other. All of them are truly God, but none of them equates with another. So when we say that the Trinity is like an ice cube or water that takes the forms of things like water and ice and steam, it's not simply a form that Jesus, that God takes in these three persons. When we say that God is like the sun, the ray, the, the warmth, the Trinity is more than that. It's not just expressions of the same thing. They are actually three distinct persons. It's an incredibly difficult concept, which is why people throughout the centuries have sought to understand and define it. I had a friend in one church one time who could understand, she thought, for herself because she was a wife, a mother, and a daughter. But it's more than just aspects of our personality. The three-in-one, the Godhead, are distinct personalities, distinct from one another, complete unto themselves. One image of the Trinity that is newer to me is that of the rose. It's a lovely one for me because it talks about being rooted, being rooted. So God is that which we are rooted. It's the ground of being, the foundation of all that we are, the place from which life springs, from which creation comes. The other person is represented by the stem of the flower and the flower itself, which represent Jesus, the living, visible, and beautiful identity of that rose. And then the pervasive wafting and wondrous fragrance reminds us of the Holy Spirit. But still, these things are not quite able to capture the magnificence of the Trinity, the enormity of the Trinity, all that God is. But it helps our limited human minds to begin to see a glimpse of what's being spoken of here.
Creation itself sprang from a bubbling overflow of God's love. Like, like a shaken up bottle of champagne, God's love within the Trinity was so effervescent, so richly pressured and full, that sooner or later the cork had to explode out. And when it did, a river of sparkling love gushed forth and sprayed everywhere. Creation is that overflow of love. God wanted to share the life and love God already had so exquisitely among God, the parent, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Periochoresis is another word. It's a Greek word meaning the essence, the, the interpenetrating dance of love shared by the three persons in the Godhead. This is a wonderful relational kind of love that we see in the persons of the Trinity that we are called to emulate here in our relationships with one another, knowing that we are, are of the same homoousius, the same substance as our brothers and sisters, regardless of skin color or anything else, and that we are called to be in relationship in that kind of a periochoresis, that kind of a dance that happens within the Holy Trinity that gushes forth and blesses humanity. It's the relationship that we are called to and we must create space for intentional and genuine relationships with people that are different from us. We must acknowledge the need for protest to stand up for what is right in times such as this, to help to heal those who have been downtrodden for so long, to recognize our white privilege, to recognize all that we have by virtue of our simply being white, and give some of that power and privilege and wealth away. It's hard to do because it's not just us as individuals, it's a system that has been built on this. I have posted a video on my Facebook page that talks a little bit about systemic racism if you want to learn more about that. So there is a need for prophets and statements and calls to reform. I hope that you saw that they have renamed a street in Washington, D.C., the street where the atrocity was perpetuated, where people were uh, forced from the patio of their church, where they had simply been offering water and a, a station to clean eyes after being um, uh, with the, the tear gas. When, when the people... The, the bishop of that church wasn't able to reach it. When, when the pastor of that church was, was one among many parishioners and others who were forced away in order for the president to take a photo op. It was a devastating time, and it was a time that denied the fact that black lives matter. And since then, what I'm hoping that you have seen is that the mayor of that city has taken and renamed that place, Black Lives Matter Plaza, to bring the issue to the forefront, to state not that one life is any more valuable than another, but like the one sheep, God will go and help that one sheep who is in distress at that time, still caring about those other 99, but funneling the attention, the intention, on that one to give aid and assistance. There is room for deep reflection, for honest confession, for real repentance in this time about how we all are complicit and benefit from structures that support racism and other forms of equality in our society.
One of the other passages in the lectionary for this week is the one that you heard Miss Christina talk about to the children, the creation story in Genesis. And in that story, we hear God say, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. We need to see the likeness of God in those who differ from us. We need to see that we are made of the same essence as they are. We are all created. We are all beloved of the same God. Racism at its heart takes someone who should be intimately recognizable to us, one also created in the image of God and so a fellow child of God, into someone or really something other than us someone or thing that we need not recognize as bearing the same dignity and rights that we take for granted. And that is sin. We need to transform that. We need to turn that over. We need to begin to recognize the sacred worth of all persons. In a painting of the crucifixion done by the Dutch painter Rembrandt, if you, your eye is drawn immediately to the crucified Christ on the cross, but then, as you begin to scan the crowd and look, in the corner you can see Rembrandt himself. Rembrandt recognized himself as complicit in the system which crucified Jesus, recognized the sinfulness in himself in the death of God. And so we must recognize ourselves in the glorious painting of life that is going on around us in helping to create and sustain those systems, those structures of injustice and help to begin to dismantle them. Just as we are seeing across the country police officers kneeling down with protesters, embracing protesters, there is hope, there is movement, this is a movement and we are moving forward. So let's all take up our cross and do our part to dismantle the racism by first acknowledging our complicitness in the system and by doing something about it, by speaking out, by standing up. At the end of today's scripture that you heard Eric read, it says, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is with us in our heartbrokenness and grief, in our protests and stands, in our fear and uncertainty, in our confession and repentance. Jesus is with us. And as long as Jesus is with us, we will neither lose hope nor give up. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen. <laughs>